Bestie. Hey guys, we got two Bestie homeschooling mamas coming at you. I'm Gail. And I'm Christina. Welcome to week two of our five-week series. This is 2024 Vision, and today's topic is budgets. Yay. Yay. This is like my love language. (laughs) She's not wrong. (laughs) I am a huge huge fan of budgets. It saved my life once upon a time. Literally saved my life. Today, we're going to explore the practical financial wisdom from a biblical perspective. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into the often challenging but crucial topic of budgeting. So join us as we unravel the principles of managing finances according to the teachings of the Bible. We want to see you all succeed And we will help with some practical and very real ideas for budgeting. Again, this is my love language. (laughs) This will not be prosperity gospel. That is not what this is going to be, guys. We don't preach that. We don't believe it. God does not give you blessings because you are financially giving. And he doesn't always give blessings in the form of financial blessings. So I need you to hear that. That's not what's happening here today. So if that's what you're hoping to hear, you can change the channel. (laughs) Because you're going to hear some honest, God-given truth. This is entirely about obedience and how he calls us to live differently than the world. Yeah? Yeah, let's go. So Christina's going to read our opening scripture for today on our first point. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the Diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So basically, I think this one is saying that you need to establish a budget. Mm -hmm. Financial peace or financial freedom doesn't come quickly, most of the time. And it doesn't always come in the form of an inheritance or you know, winning the lottery or anything like that. So we need to establish the importance of budgeting in aligning our financial goals with God's purpose for our lives. Okay. And just to have significance in someone's life does not mean you have to have a lot of money. Some of my favorite people in the world are people who live on very, very little and do it amazingly and are really an inspiration. It's not always about how much is in your bank account. It's about what you do with it Mm -hmm. and what's in your heart, really. Because honestly, if you have a really, really bad heart and you're rich, your really, really bad heart's going to be emphasized. Yeah, emphasized. Like your behavior will be emphasized. If, If you're bad, then you become more bad, basically, with more money in most cases. And if you are really, really good and you come into a lot of money or you create wealth through your life, then you usually do really amazing and wonderful things because you're a wonderful person. It enhances the behavior that's inside of you. And that, I like that, that mood. You know, just because people are rich doesn't mean that God loves them more. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Need you to understand that. Right here, we're going to have a discussion about what your financial goals are with God and making sure that you have those financial goals that discussion with your spouse. Yes, that's so important. So important. And if you aren't married yet, you guys are going to get married. Please talk about it. Yes, please talk about finances before you get married. Yes. Debts that you might have, that he might have. It's very important to lay it all out on the floor mm-hmm. before you get married. Don't go in with secrets or mm-hmm. shame or yep. any of that. Right. Have that conversation. Decide. What you guys want and how you want to get there, Mm -hmm. come to these decisions together. Mm -hmm. And I highly, highly recommend that once you're married, that all of your finances flow together. Yes. There should not be, in my opinion, separate accounts, separate. Preach it. You know. I agree. Just. I agree. Now. Together, work together, discuss it. Right. No matter who's making the money in the house majority or at all or all of it it is your money together once you're married yep. absolutely our money and if you if, if you've ever listened to dave ramsey he actually just did a reel about this not that long ago um someone called in and they were talking about the fact that they were getting married and or that they were married and that she 
you know, didn't make very much money and that he made most of the money. And so he only gave her certain amounts of money, you know, per week or whatever. She's like, well, that's his money. And, you know, I do this on the side just to have my money. And, and he was like, no, no, you need to change the way you speak about money with you and your spouse. It is our money. We make our decisions. No one person has more vote than the other because they make more money. It's you're, just, it's, when you are married, it is what is yours is mine, what is his is mine. You're all mm-hmm. you are combined. Mm-hmm. So all of the things yeah. are combined. Now, if you want to have separate, like you have one joint account where all the money goes. And if it helps in your budget to have different accounts that this goes to well, you and sure. this goes to you sure. so that we don't spend out of our bill money. That's totally okay. Mm-hmm. But again, it's all communication. Absolutely. And discussion with each yep. other about where we are and where we're going. Yep. Right? So make sure, first and foremost, that you have that discussion with your spouse, regardless to whether you've been married for a week, 10 years, 20 years. If you are not working financially together, then you're not doing it. I, I promise you, you've probably had way more fights about money than you've ever wanted to have. I promise money is the number one reason a lot of people get divorced. Yes. And so if you're having these discussions now. Don't let money be the reason that you're fighting. No. There's plenty of money evil in the world and this does not need to be one of them. Amen. Don't let Satan win. Not today, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about setting that foundation. Make sure you do have those discussions. Make sure you have goals that you guys want to have for your married life together no matter how long it takes to get to those goals, guys. Like it really, it, it could take 10 years. It could take 20. It could take 30. Our financial goals for my husband and I, we didn't really start coming into some of our goals until we were in our mid to late 30s. And it just was unfortunate, but true. Mm-hmm. And things happen. Things come up that change your goals and your path. and uh, But keep that communication going right. so that you guys... And it's okay for goals to change. It is. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. The goals you had when you got married might not be the goals when you're 35. Right. And so having that open discussion about money and it never being a shame thing between the two of you mm-hmm. or like, hey, I don't have my half to give you a mortgage. Like that's ridiculous. Ridiculous, guys. Yeah. So... Sorry if that was harsh, but it's the truth. (laughs) We're going to move on to the second area that we want to chat about. And that's called stewardship. It's kind of a Christianese word. So (laughs) it's just basically being obedient with your money. Christina has a scripture reference here. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Emphasizing the responsibility of wisely managing the resources God has entrusted to us. It's the parable of the talents. Okay, so Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold and another two bags. And to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, so I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and thrown that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a little bit of a harsh uh, parable there. It is a little bit of a harsh one. A little bit of a harsh one, but it's, it's called the parable of the talents. And this is kind of emphasizing the responsibility of wisely managing the resources God has entrusted to us. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think whether he gives you a little or whether he gives you a lot, managing it well is what he has planned. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that means that we're being obedient to what he calls us to do. And the only place that he calls us to test him Uh in the Bible is on tithing. I'm not preaching any specific church here for y'all, but if you go to a church, that is your home church. That is your storehouse is what he would call it. Then you need to be obedient with your 10%. It's it's very simple to move the decimal Mm -hmm. over to figure out what your 10% is. So you make a hundred bucks, God gets 10 of it. And I promise you, I promise you from personal experience God will do more with 90% than you can ever do alone with a, with a hundred percent. Amen. Ever. I've seen it more times than I have counted where our finances just don't work out on paper. Um, but we continue to be faithful with our tithing and God always provides. Yeah. Yeah. And this was something that my husband and I did not do for lots of years. I think we were, oh gosh, it was the year we went through bankruptcy and we were negative like $1,000 every single month on everything. And they took away overtime for my husband at his job at the time. And we were budgeting that into our income. And you should never budget overtime into your income. <laughs> Guys, just kind of throwing that out there as a budget tip. Don't You want to budget off of your base income. Mm-hmm. And anything that happens to be extra, you put it into the extra buckets that you have left over after all your bills are paid, right? This part of our life, it was really terrible because we were, you know, going through this moral struggle of do we bankrupt or do we not? And we were already $1,000 negative every month for credit cards and stupid things that we had done. And so we said, well, it's not working our way. And that's when we started tithing. I can just say from the experience of learning how to wisely manage God's money. He has done more with our lives than I ever thought possible. I mean, I worked for years and years and years full time because I thought I was never, ever going to be able to stay home. And here I am. Again, been here for a while. I've been here. Yeah. I've been here for almost six years. That's crazy. Again, not prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that he, I mean, it took us almost another 10 years to get to where we are now, you know? And so it's definitely been a journey, but being obedient is probably the, one of the biggest things that I can, and that needs to be part of your financial discussion. Yeah. You know, before you get married or if you aren't tithing now and you are married, it needs to be part of the discussion Mm -hmm. because you want to give joyfully out of, you want to give out of joy. Don't do it out of, Obligation. Yeah, obligation or griping because God doesn't want that money. You give back the first of what he's given to you because none of the money that you have is yours. And let's be honest, God doesn't need your money. No. That's not what this is about. It's not. He needs your heart. Yep. Mm -hmm. He needs your heart. He needs you to be obedient. And he needs us to help to build the kingdom Mm -hmm. by finding the lost people. And bringing them to heaven with us. Like that is your goal in the world. 
And it starts with your kids, your family. It starts with your family. That's why they always say, you know, if you get the husband, you get the wife, you get the kids. And as humans on this earth, after Eve did the sinning and Adam joined her, then we have really at this point just trying to find our way back home, back to the father. And this is one of the biggest steps because he only asks you to test him in this one space. I challenge you, test him. (laughs) And again, blessings are not always financial. A lot of times their health or their marriage is getting better. Or Or your appliances last longer than they should. Or your car lasts longer than it should. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's so many different ways. So many unexplained things in your life that I promise that it will be blessings. And it's just. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's super important. All right. The next one that we're going to talk about is God's provision and trust kind of leads in or comes from the last point as well. Mm-hmm. Chris has a scripture reference for this one too. Look at Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Reflecting a God's promise to provide for his children. We're going to really, we're going to try and show how connecting the trust in God's provision and our discipline with budgeting goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so this is where you really need to start putting an actual budget together in this part of the discussion. And so if you don't know all of the things that you pay out of your account every month, that would be your first step. Mm-hmm. Take a piece of paper out. Write down every single thing that comes out of there automatically, any subscriptions you have. There is a new thing, and I have not used it yet, but I've had a couple people who have who have really enjoyed it called Rocket Money. And that just shows you if you're paying double on subscriptions. Oh. And it'll cancel certain subscriptions if you're paying double on them and stuff. This is not an ad for them. We are not getting paid, <laughs> just so you know. Um and I personally haven't used it yet, but I have I have spoken to a couple of my friends who have used it and they have found like two Netflix accounts they were paying for. And I'm like, dude, how'd you not know that? Because I go through my bank account right. every two weeks. And so I would know. So that's why I haven't used it because you would know. I would know. Yeah. But if you're one of those people who haven't been budgeting, you have no idea if you have a subscription you forgot to cancel. Right. This would be the place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, also, Dave Ramsey has an amazing book. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. Mm-hmm. And not all the things are 100% alignable with everybody. I get that. But his principles are really sound. Yeah. I mean, Landon struggles with the live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. I'm mm. um, part of it because he's like, I want to live now, though, a little bit. Because I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. Like, that's I mean, his that's only. A, that's a fair struggle thought right Um, especially in his line of work but it's for anybody you know we don't we're not promised tomorrow we're not he struggles with that but he's very very good at it now he just sometimes he's like i just want to go on the vacation not save the money (laughs) but then when we need the savings yeah he's grateful that we have it so Mm -hmm. it's very catch 22 yeah (laughs) yeah but Dave Ramsey's book um, is amazing. I'll put a uh, like a link to it in the show notes for you guys. You can get it at his website. You can get it on Amazon, I think, like all kinds of places. Um, he also has an online budgeting tool, which I think is really cool. It's called Every Dollar, and it connects to it can connect to your bank account. It's it costs, I believe, to connect to the bank account, or you can use the free version where you input everything like manually. But it's a great tool if you are struggling to build a budget. Like I have one that I use on Excel spreadsheet and I don't know that I'll ever change from it because I have formulas in there and all the things. Yeah. Like all the things that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're just starting out, handwritten ones are good too. That's how I started. I mean, what a great way if you're just starting out in Mm -hmm. your marriage too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great way to get started. And yeah, I hand wrote everything for years. I had binders Mm -hmm. because we used to actually get the bills in the mail. They didn't just come in our email. I know I'm that old, guys. And (laughs) so I'd punch three holes in them. I'd put them in my three ring binder. And then I'd write paid when it was paid. Because, again, nothing was automatic. You had to physically send in a check or 
go on their website at that point and pay something, but you couldn't automate anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I had all of those, but I had a calendar of the month in front of each thing and, you know, every paycheck. So you could see which paycheck, what bill was coming in. What bill was coming. So my husband, when we started this, he was like, I would just pay the bill when we got it. And I go, well, how would you know you'd have the money? Like, when is it due? He's like, well, I don't know. You just pay it when you get it. No, 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 no. This kid, I swear. I go, and this is why you're not in charge of the money. (laughs) (laughs) You write down in your calendar what bills are coming up from, like, let's say you get paid on Thursdays. And you have two weeks from that Thursday that everything has to be paid out of, guys. You need to think about that. And so whatever, you basically take it out of your checking account you know, idealistically. And then what you have left over is your groceries, your gas and those kinds of things. So you need to see, physically see what money you have coming in. Again, do it off a base pay. And then what money needs to go out in those two weeks. And then you can start to build what a budget. And I promise you, this will be a learning curve. Mm -hmm. If you've never budgeted, this will be a learning curve for anywhere from six months to a year having to adjust grocery money, mm-hmm. gas money, date night money if you can. Like if, if you are in a place where you have money to go on a date night, you know, make sure that that's an envelope or at least aligning your budget, you know, kind of thing. So for me and my Excel spreadsheet in my head, um, I have all of my automatic bills that come out at the top of my spreadsheet. And then I have our necessity for wall stuff um gas groceries costco um those kinds of things um when we were doing commissions for our daughter we'd put that in there and then our third segment of our budget on our excel spreadsheet is all of our sink funds what's a sink fund so a sink fund is where you have like an envelope specifically set aside for christmas oh or like house stuff like so when something breaks you have money in the in the sink oh, fund okay so we call we just call that something different we have the same lines on mm-hmm. our yeah yeah and so we we'll pull that out in cash typically and um and divvy it up and then put it in you know back in our safety deposit box and all the things mm-hmm. but that way it's out of our bank account mm-hmm. Or, you know, we move it over to savings or something. Yep. So it's not as easily accessible. Exactly. Which makes it easier to spend. Exactly. Or because it's not easily Mm -hmm. accessible. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Dave Ramsey calls them sink funds. I think that's probably why I call them sink funds. But yeah, basically just a a lining your budget or something where you're saying this money is allocated to the spot. They do a lot of zero-based budgets on Dave Ramsey's um, program. Mm-hmm. And so you're spending every single dollar in that paycheck, but it's going to something, sure. you're telling your money what to do basically. Yeah. Okay, the next point we wanna talk about is biblical principles of budgeting. Chris has a scripture for that one as well. Proverbs 3, nine through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your Barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Yum. Um, <laughs> right? So this one, we're going to be exploring the giving, saving, spending alignment in the biblical values. And so obviously we've talked about tithing, which is the first 10%. And that's what we're talking about going back to the storehouse. Those are the first fruits mm-hmm. of your paycheck. And your paycheck is possible because of the God-given gifts you have. So just kind of remember that when you're mm-hmm. like, I don't want to give God my money. It's not your money, dude. Mm-hmm. Dude. <laughs> I, I want to just emphasize what she said there with the first 10% because if you're paying all your bills and seeing what's left over, even if there is 10% left over, that's not the right state of mind, state of mind right? Mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You want to, the first thing you do is is do the tithe and then pay your bills and do the other things with what's left. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ours is automated now. Well, yeah. You know, again, because sure. God bless it's technology. 2024. Right. 
ours is automated, but it does come out the day my husband gets mm-hmm. paid. And well, actually, it's I think it's the next morning because yeah. in case there's ever like a holiday sure. or something. Sure. We want to make sure it's in there mm-hmm. <laughs> because we do a zero based budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I hear you. Um, and so it's definitely it's automated. It's the first thing. We're very joyful about it. We make sure that it gets to where we are calling home for our church. The part of this that I think is super important that I don't think a lot of people talk about and I think that you need to start this with your kids. Yes. is 80 10 10 rule. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you've never heard that phrase, let me explain it. 80% is what you have to live off of. 10% is what you have to save and then 10% for tithe. I would really encourage you, though, at some point, if once you get your three to six months of savings filled up or until you get that filled up, that you do 70, 20, 10, living off of 70 percent, putting 20 percent into savings and then 10 percent into tithe. And then if you can stay on that, once you get that three to six months of your savings built up, then you move on to like you're out of debt, you have your your savings saved up, and then you need to move on to retirement at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. which is usually, they say, about 15% of your income. So if you're doing 70, 20, 10, then you're already there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, if you want to save for, I don't know, a toy or a vacation, then you can do 10% into the savings for that once your three to six months is saved, and then 10% into the vacation thing or whatever, if you're getting married or whatever it is. But 80-10-10 is like your basic biblical ruling Mm -hmm. of how we should be divvying up our funds Mm -hmm. so that we can have a savings. Yeah. And she mentioned doing this with your kids. This is financial education. Education. Financial education was not something that I grew up learning, not from my parents, obviously not in school. I can't imagine the difference our early married years would have looked if we would have been taught this right. from a younger age. Oh, I so totally agree. If you can, sh- one, show this to your kids by example, mm-hmm. and and two, have them start doing it with the money that they get, mm-hmm. whether it's birthday, chores, a little side business, entrepreneur, whatever, if they start doing it now when they're young, Mm -hmm. you are setting them up for success. Now, I mean, who knows what choices they're going to make when they become adults and leave your house. But if you can model this and set that example and just teach it, make it a part of what you guys do, Mm -hmm. you're you're really setting them up to to start off better than I did. Yeah. So our daughter, I'll give an example. Our daughter has been taught this since we went through bankruptcy when she was seven. And when we found a Ramsey and and did all the things and she is now 20 and she has an emergency fund. It's actually double the emergency fund right now. Like the typical starter emergency fund is a thousand dollars. Right. And she had double that and she ended up needing new tires And she ended up almost needing to get $1,300 work on her car, but her dad saved her a crap ton of money by doing it himself because they told her this much money. And then he's like, I can do that. So he did for significantly less amount of money. However, she's like, well, I don't want to spend my savings on that. And I was like, well, that's what it's it's for. Because how, how terrible would it be that you couldn't get to school or to work because you didn't have the money to fix your car? And your daddy didn't know how to do it, but he does. He's amazing. So, you know, she's like, but I was like, you, I cannot tell you the amount of times that your dad and I have had an emergency fund and it has gone down to zero and we've had to rebuild it. This is the point of an emergency fund. That is the point. (laughs) Like you can't just hold the money. Like the point is for emergencies. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, see how great it is that you had this though, that you, you're working and you put 20% 20% away into your savings account, like mm-hmm. crazy girl. She, and I mean, she still has an emergency fund because her dad was amazing and we got tires and then he did the car things. But still, she was like, I don't want to spend even this. And I was like, well, be grateful that it's not taking you down to zero, friend. Yeah. yeah. Silliness. Amazing that my 20-year-old 
Because I didn't have that at 20. No. When we had no. her at 20, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Nobody taught us an emergency fund and all the things. And so I'm grateful that she has that and that she's yes. at least heeding it. Yes. I'm almost grateful that she had these things kind of happen while she's still in our home so we can help mm-hmm. guide her. Sure through those thought processes because mm-hmm. she came home from getting her oil change and they said this was the problem and she's like ah she basically lost her mind that day and then I was like you know what your dad's at work let's talk to him tomorrow I'm sure it'll be okay we'll figure something out and it was it was better than okay so mm-hmm. I mean it was definitely a good lesson for her but I'm just saying that if you can teach your kids about this when they're small our yes. church when our kids were small gave out little piggy banks yes. um, that said give save spend yes and if you need to do that with your kids get three mason jars out or mm-hmm. find a little glass piggy that has three slots and paint mm-hmm. it on there do something guys yep. if they made a dollar split it up into coins for them man it's math it's math math and it's trust me they need Life this skills. math more than yes. they need geometry, more than they need algebra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if they can't balance a checkbook by the time they leave your home, you have not done math right. I'm just saying. Or a budget. Nobody uses checkbooks anymore. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one is contentment and avoiding debt. Oh, praise Jesus. This one was hard for us. <laughs> All right. Miss Christina has a scripture reference for this one as well. Yes. Okay. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. Man, is this one hard. Right. For all of us. Yep. It is hard to be Especially content. with social media. Especially with social media. Oh my, yes. Yes, because you see everyone's highlight reels. Yep. Here's the thing that my husband and I always say when we see somebody on vacation or they've just bought a brand new car or whatever, we're we're like, I know what job they have. Like, how did they do that? Like, where's this money coming from? And he goes, listen, babe, people live in debt all day long Mm -hmm. and we don't know where they're getting their money. And it's not for us to judge and it's not for us to know. So don't be asking people where they got their money from. Okay, guys, that's not right. I know that when you watch social media, you get, oh, I'm not good enough because I'm not going on that Hawaii vacation Mm -hmm. or I'm 40 and I've never been to Hawaii. That doesn't matter. Are you living biblical financial principles? Because you have no idea how they got on that trip. And how many years or how much interest they're going to be paying that trip off with. Contentment really comes from a heart thing. Mm-hmm. It really is where you are with God. Yes. Because if you are in a bad place with God or you're not in his word often or you're not learning from him or, you know, you're not allowing him to lead your life, then discontentment comes very, 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 very quickly and mm-hmm. easily. Absolutely. Discontentment brings in a lot of dangers for debt. And so if we can remember the importance of contentment, then we can kind of try and help avoid some of those dangers. The practical tip on avoiding debt and finding contentment in God's provision is to not have credit cards. Lena and I went without one for 11 years. After we filed for bankruptcy, we didn't have one for 11 years. We do have one now. We have one. Um, And it was because I was traveling a lot um, for a period of time for work. And I didn't like having my debit card all over the world, like the debit card number. And I felt it was a little more secure to have a credit card because if somebody happened to get the number, they weren't going to take all the monies out of my Mm -hmm. bill money, basically. But we got that with very strict guidelines in place where... We didn't spend the money on the credit card unless we had the money in the bank account. And we actually opened a second bank account to use as the one we paid off the credit card with every single month and move money from our main account to the credit card payment account. And so when we spent money on the card to get the points or whatever, because that is the dangerous part. If you're getting it for points or for travel or whatever, this one happened to give cash back. So we used it quite a bit one year. And then, you, but you know what though? Then it got a little much for us because then we were spending more than what we had in the, what we had in the account to put on there at the moment. And so we, I mean, we would still pay it off every single month, but it would be coming from money that wasn't allocated for that. 
And so we're very, we're much more careful about it now. <laughs> like the first year we had it, we're like, ah, and then this year, not so much. It was very much a detailed working of that card. And so if you can't do it well, don't have one. If you cannot pay it off each month, then don't have one. I get that there are times when you need them for emergencies because I've been there too. So just keep that in mind, knowing that the more you put on there, the more you're still going to have to pay off at some point, unless you choose to go through a bankruptcy. And again, morally and mentally, that's very hard to process through. So no judgment, been there, done that, guys. There's no judgment here. I'm just saying from experience and from my own heart and having to learn all of these things in my late 20s instead of as a a teenager, and we all should have learned them in order to be able to be successful at life. If you can't be responsible about a credit card, don't have one. Just don't do it. It's just so not worth it. And I'm going to add to that, if you can be responsible with one and you're doing good, you don't need to go get a whole bunch of others because then that easy way to be responsible gets harder and harder Harder and harder 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 with each one that you open. And then things happen, emergencies come up, and before you know it, it's out of control. And and that's what happened with us the first time. Like, oh, we did good this time. and we Oh, we got to get this one with the points and this one with the American Express and blah, blah, blah. It got out of control so I mean, quickly. This is what they are in business for, right? right? This is what they're they, planning on is that you won't pay it off that and that they'll get the interest. You won't pay it off and you'll get the interest. Mm-hmm. That is how they make their money. Mm-hmm. They are not in business to make life easier for you. They're not in business to... Mm-hmm. We've had our credit card now, I think, almost three years. And I don't think there has been a month where we haven't paid it off. And But I'm telling you, though, it wasn't always easy. It was mm-hmm. sometimes taken out of money that we didn't allocate for that. We had to shift the budget around. And so just be very, very careful. Yeah. The, the credit card people are not for you. And again, share these things with your kids mm-hmm. because if you don't have these conversations with them, mm-hmm. they're not going to, as soon as they turn 18, mm-hmm. they're going to get those ads and junk mail. And so here's another thing for credit cards. If you are a responsible parent and you have one and you pay it off every month and you're doing the things and your child turns 18, put them on there as a signer, but never give them a card Hmm. because it builds their credit. And unfortunately in this world, you have to have credit to buy a car and to Mm -hmm. get a house. Now Dave Ramsey will tell you, no, you don't. Okay. But there's no 19 year old kid who's going to be able to go out and get an apartment without any credit and no you should not be co-signing for anything, for anyone, for any reason. I don't care if they're your kids. I don't care if they're your mom. Co-signing is a no. Again, trust me from personal experience. Okay, not my story, but I can't share it. But I'm just saying, don't do it. It's not worth it. Not worth it. Do not co-sign things. And so when you put your kid on your credit card and you don't give them a card to spend, they're still building their card, their credit number. Their credit score. Yeah, their credit score. I hadn't thought of that before. Mm-hmm. I have to do it on ours for McKinsey. The credit card we have won't allow a third signer unless you're an LLC. Oh. So I just have to find my LLC paperwork and turn it into them so I can get her on there. So once your kid is 18 and they need a credit score, that's what you need to do. Or they have secure credit cards, like prepaid credit cards Mm -hmm. kind of, but Mm -hmm. you can still build credit with those. Mm -hmm. And so if that's something that you need to do for a child that they're going to put their gas money on Mm -hmm. and that's just their gas money and they're going to use that and put money on it every month or whatever, it's called a secured credit card, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then do that. But please don't let your 18-year-old open up a credit card just to build credit. No, no. And don't let them go buy a brand new car. Lord Jesus in heaven, please do not let them go buy a brand new car. Cars depreciate about 40% once you drive them off the lot. 40%. The worst investments you can make with money is vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if it's a Jaguar or a Mercedes Benz or a Denali. I don't care. They all have the same freaking engine inside of them, guys. They go from point A to point B. 
our car, our daughter's car was cash when we bought it for her when she turned 16. It was $2,000 little shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Within three weeks, we had to get another one for $2,000. But another story for another, another day. Another story for another day. <laughs> and then a year and a half later, we had to get another one. But they've all been purchased with money from, mm-hmm. you know, the payoff of the total vehicle or whatever. So she has never had a car payment. And she enjoys that. Yes. She enjoys that thoroughly. She has been driving for four years and she's never had a car payment. Mm -hmm. So it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. My husband and I both have paid off cars. Like Mm -hmm. now that we have been able to get out of the debt and do the things. And even once we did get new cars after our bankruptcy, we paid them off. Guys, like you can pay off loans and keep driving the car. You don't have to have a new one after the loan is over. Contentment. Yes. All Good the things. advice. Good advice. Okay. Last thing here that we have for you is the practical steps to that biblical budgeting that we've been talking about. Breaking down the budgeting process into practical steps. Income assessment. That's that conversation mm-hmm. and talking about and writing down everything you have that comes out of your paycheck. Tithing and giving. Tithing and giving are separate, guys. Mm-hmm. Tithing is 10% to your church, to your home church. Giving and offerings are two other things like, you know, beyond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feed my starving children or, you know, you help pay for a kid in um, Compassion International or whatever. Those are outside of tithing. Yep. So just keep that in mind. Um, saving for the future. That's that 10 to 15% once you have your emergency fund. Responsible spending. Oh, oh. Gosh darn it, if that one isn't good. Right. We are supposed to be responsible with our money? Well, I mean, it just means that we're not going out and eating every day when you've well, bought $200 of grocery. either. No, it's not. It's not good for our waste. <laughs> People eat out a lot. Even just, I mean, I okay, I get the day that you've grocery shopped and you foraged that you really don't feel like cooking any of the foraged food. I get that. <laughs> when you've had four or six hours of shopping. And I've done that. I've done that myself. There's absolutely no judgment here. But eating out every single day, one, not good for you. There's a lot of crap in food. Yeah. And and it's not responsible spending. You know, that income assessment that you do first will really give you a good picture as to how much you actually eat out. Because it is easy mm-hmm. to think, oh, I don't eat out that often. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that and you go, uh, oh, been so, there, been mm-hmm. there, done that. My budget... Excel spreadsheet actually has like where you allocate Mm -hmm. two different categories. And so it gives me a pie on the next page. Nice. To show me how much percentage of the income that we use that month in eating and all the things. So get yourself something with a pie chart, y'all. I love it. Because it's like holy cannolis. There goes that math again. Seriously. Seriously. Budgeting is all math. And it's my jam. And teach the kids. Mm, Yes. Teach the kids, guys. All right. The next uh, practical step is the emergency fund. So start with $1,000. Once you get to that $1,000, then you start building to three to six months. And that's talking about your income assessment. So go back to that income assessment. Add up everything that you ever pay for in a month. And that includes your food, your gas, and those envelopes. Mm -hmm. And that's that's there for the worst case scenario. You Mm -hmm. don't want to have to use that. But if there's a job loss, if there's a major health issue, that is what that three months is there for Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to stress immediately. um, immediately. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so emergency funds are amazing. Try and once you get that thousand dollars, go to the three months and then go to six months and don't stop until you get to the six months, guys. Have a minimum of six months at some point in your emergency fund. And then once you get there, then you can start going into your saving for the future and things of that nature. The next thing that we want to chat about with this is making sure that you seek financial guidance through prayer and seeking wise counsel. So if you're unsure about how to budget your money, or if you don't know how to do that and you want to start one, please reach out to someone who can help you with that. We finally have a finance guy. I thought never in my life did I think that I would have a guy. 
You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I have a guy for that. I actually have a guy for that. And I was like, whoa, I'm like a full on grown up now. Nice. I, I think we've I think we've been seeing him for a year or two now. He's amazing. Great guy. Godly man. Family man. Uh, adoptive parent. All the things like we really mesh well with this this guy. And so he totally understands our goals for our future. And it's great that he can put it all in his little computer and give me an algorithm and say this is how much you need to save each month in order to get to this place when you retire i'm like okay i'm not there yet but good to know (laughs) goals have moved towards right right seeking financial guidance through prayer and wise counsel is the best thing that you can do for your financial life um so here's where i'm going to encourage you guys to seek out that every dollar budging place. I can actually also put up a blank of what I use on my Excel spreadsheet on the Facebook page. I just really want you guys to have all the things, all the tools that you feel like you didn't have when you were going through high school. Also, they have Financial Peace University, which is amazing. Mm, yes, if you've never it gone is through it. on our list for our high schoolers. Phenomenal. I have the things if you want to borrow them. I think they actually have a high school course. They do. It's called, mm-hmm. um, oh, it's in the I, high school. I know, schools. it's right there. It's on the it's tip of my tongue. It's financial peace, but it's something else. Yeah. It's not university. But they, they actually have these financial peace classes that you can put, you can pay like to sponsor in a high school so that they have it for that year. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. But that's how they get it into these high schools. People sponsor them to go there because the schools are not paying for it. Of course For not. the plans to be there. Which is just insane, you know, because, you know, public school, yay, that's why we're homeschoolers. But hashtag, my kid gets Financial Peace University every day Mm -hmm. because he's at home and we can teach him ourselves. Thank you very much. But if you are a grown-up and you've never been through Financial Mm -hmm. Peace University, please reach out to a church near you. Most of them have a class going on at some point throughout the year or You can go on to Dave Ramsey's website and he has where you can check for Financial Peace University classes that are going on near you if you're not a part of a church. And if you know someone who's getting married, that would be an amazing thing to gift them because Mm -hmm. starting off, well, we've said it several times, Mm -hmm. start off like this with these things that we didn't know when we were younger and you're going to be in a much better spot. Much better spot by the time you're 30 if you're getting married at 20 like us than having to wait till you're 40, 45, 50 to be, you know, getting those retirements started um, which were just insane for us. So. Can I add one more? Just one one more little tidbit. Life happens. Mm -hmm. Things happen. Sometimes our goals don't turn out exactly the way that we want them to be. So it's never too late. If you are in your 30s, 40s, whatever, and, and you feel like this needs work, it's okay. Yep, We've all been there. Yep. Do it now. Mm-hmm. Start now. It's never too late. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it doesn't just have to be a when you get married situation. No, no. Like I said, Landon and I were 27 or 28 when we started this, and we had already been married for almost a decade at that point, guys. Mm -hmm. So, and it can definitely change the way you guys communicate about Mm -hmm. money, which can absolutely change your marriage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely change your marriage. So if you're struggling in your marriage and you don't know what it is and you are not budgeting or you're not on the same page about money, it's probably that. Unless, of course, there's something else going on that you're aware of that I'm not, obviously. But nine times out of 10, it's money, especially if you don't have a plan. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plan for that dollar. You need to be on the same page and have those conversations. Yep. And it's never, she's right. It's never too late. Never too late. Never too late to do the right thing biblically with money. All right. So as we conclude this episode, remember that biblical budgeting is about aligning our financial practices with God's principles. By stewarding our resources wisely, we are honoring and obeying God and positioning ourselves to experience his blessing in abundance. Again, not prosperity. Not all blessings are financial. This is where he's talking about that healthy marriage, those healthy kids, um, just communication in your in your household, keeping Satan out of that household kind of thing. 
all of those things will come in abundance when you are obedient to God. Oh, it says right here. Remember, this is not always financial and you need to know that blessings come in all kinds, health, contentment, joy, peace, and sometimes financial, because if you, he can trust you with a little, he can trust you with more. So join us next week as we continue this journey into our 2024 vision. And we are going to be chatting about what God has planned for your health and wellness. Yay. Yay. That's next week, guys. So make sure to check in. Hopefully, we're hoping in another couple episodes, we'll have some exciting news for you guys for February. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, happy 2024. Happy week two. We wish you guys the best of blessings if you liked this episode. If you think it would be beneficial for someone, please like and share, leave a review and make sure you send this over to them because this needs to be, this literally needs to be shouted from rooftops. And I'm really glad that Dave Ramsey and his team have been doing that for a really long time. I'm a big fan. There's a lot of people that talk about finances all over the place and a lot of really bad information. So make sure you're vetting that the information you're getting is from a biblical perspective. Amen. All right. So now let's pray. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this new year. Thank you for 2024 and a fresh perspective on all the things. And Lord, we just ask that anyone who needs help and guidance in this financial biblical perspective of their life will find and seek all of the wisdom that they can get to to be obedient to you. Lord, we know that you have so many plans for us and we are not aware of them. And no matter how long it takes to get there, we know that your will will come out in our lives as long as we're obedient and joyful. Thank you for the blessings and for the gifts that you have given us to be able to bring in the finances to our home, to take care of our children and our household and to build your kingdom. We ask that that continue for everyone in our community and that if they need assistance, Lord, that they reach out to you and to wise people who can help them to get there. In your holy and awesome name, we thank you forever and ever. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Bessie.